Welcome to Keys to the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. We're trying a new thing here on LibertyLiveRadio.com. There is a chat room. I hope everybody is hearing us. Uh, You can go to the chat room and tell us how things are working. Uh, It's uh, uh, at uh, www. F-A-R-F-A-R dot com slash farm slash chat uh, and I guess there's another slash forward slash anyway it's uh, liberty radio live dot com and first amendment radio dot com uh, chat room and actually I'm plugging on to that as we speak I think also we have Scott with us uh, who is our co-host today and moderator and are you there, Scott? I am. Can you hear me? I've unmuted Scott. myself. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can hear you fine. See how everybody else is uh, uh, hearing us. <laughs> anyway, uh, if they go to the chat room and uh, they can make their comments. Uh, somebody, I just I just logged in myself there. Um, anyway, uh, we just finished our blog talk radio, which is kind of our warm-up. It's a call-in radio. Uh, we still don't know if we can make this a call-in uh, radio show yet or not. Uh, we might be able to get a couple of the uh, personal contact ministers on through Skype. And... Uh, is there anything that we should talk about? Uh, you're you're our co-host. I suppose you're putting yourself on mute, and uh, I'm putting you on the spot <laughs> to have a, a little bit of a conversation, and maybe uh, some of the other uh, contact ministers or ministers of record will start to uh, see that we can uh, actually create a two-, three-way uh, dialogue rather than simply have me talking for an hour or two hours, that we can actually get input from other people because this message of the kingdom is rather unknown and rather uh, poorly understood by modern Christendom. So, uh, Scott, uh, any thoughts? Um, Well, I mean, I... What you were talking about earlier on the blog talk radio uh, about the lady with the garden in her front yard, um, I think it was the minister of record for Cottonwood, Rick Robbins, that originally set that message out. And I thought it was such a wonderful message that he had tagged to that. Um, I That's why I forwarded it on to Indiana because of his little words there about, you know, the fact that we all tend to jump in and, and blame government. We, we point the finger away from ourselves and find blame for tyranny or oppression or government regulation in other places when we really um, need to ask the question, um, what is it that I did that has caused me to lose these rights? Or what is it that I did that has caused me to be regulated in this way? I think if we answer, ask that question of ourselves and trace it back to our own acts, words, or deeds, then it's a lot easier for us to figure out what it is we did and how to correct the problem. If we're always pointing the finger away from us and blaming others for our own problems, then uh, 
we're never going to solve the problem. Uh, it'll right. always be perpetuated. And so, one of the things about that ability to look at ourselves and examine ourselves to see if there's anything we need to change and need to do differently is we can do something about that. The idea that we have to change everybody else and regulate everybody else and control everybody else in order to get what we want, uh, that's the first step towards tyranny and becoming a tyrant. Uh, most tyrants are tyrants because they've got thousands upon thousands of little tyrants willing to do their bidding uh, to twist somebody's arm or force somebody to do this, that, and the other thing. When I read the story, I could certainly see a little despot tyrann, uh, tyranny in the uh, thinking of the uh, code enforcement people because he actually has to go out of his way to look up in a separate dictionary what is suitable ground cover uh, and uh, this, uh, read a definition that allows the suitable ground cover. Let's maybe we'll back up a, a second. What what the story was about for those of you who didn't uh, read the article, uh, a lady had a sewer pipe uh, repaired in her front yard. I don't know if it was city sewer or what, but anyway, it tore up all the yard in order to have it fixed and repaired. And when she goes to put her yard back in. Uh, and it looks like even the sidewalk is new, or at least the one up to her front door, she uh, put in uh, bark ground cover and raised bed gardens with tomatoes and peppers and, and different uh, garden crops. It looks very uniform, very nice, very neatly done, uh, and uh, no mud holes, no uh, nothing un uh out of the ordinary except for the fact it's not a standard law. Now, I absolutely know a guy in Kansas who's done the same thing in his yard. And you can go down his street and everybody else has got, you know, grass and flowers and trees, etc. He's got trees, but he's got fruit trees. Uh, he's got ground cover, but there's strawberries and things like that that he's planted in the front yard. There's a little bit of grass, same as with this lady out by the curb. But in the basic yard, she's got these raised beds. And she was ticketed eventually because she didn't want to move it to the backyard, as she was told by the code enforcement. And she was ticketed because they don't consider her uh, plans to be suitable ground cover. And his argument was uh, he can go all over the city and nobody else has ground cover like that. They have grass and bushes and trees. Well, I can guarantee you that you can find ground cover in many places that is nothing but bark and maybe a bush or a plant, uh, and you'll find hundreds and hundreds of different varieties of plants. And, of course, the tomato is a plant. And so it is something you'll find, but it's not common enough for the code enforcement. So she's now facing 90 days in jail if she doesn't move her tomatoes to the backyard. Well, that, that is terrorism it's legal terrorism it's using the law to terrorize this woman to get her to conform to the will of code enforcement who is now judge and jury and interpreting the law now she can go to a judge and jury but if she goes to a judge and jury uh, she faces uh, over 90 days in jail if she loses um, 
I don't know if it'll go that far, but uh, that's the direction it's headed in. <laughs> uh, because code enforcement is a little dictator. He's a little uh, frustrated dictator, and he's got his little kingdom of rules, and he wants to enforce them. And it's absolutely legal because that's the society we have constructed. Now, if we're going to change our society, we have to change our thinking because we are society. And most people are not going to want to change their thinking. But if you if you had, I don't know how many houses would be on that street, probably 20 houses at least on that street, and hundreds and hundreds of homes in in that neighborhood, if everybody put just one raised bed out in their front yard, which would be easy to do. You just make the box, set it there, fill it with compost, and plant. Start a little gardening club where everybody has at least one raised bed in their front yard. And she is, of course, the queen of raised beds because she has three or four or five in her front yard. Now it becomes common. You would be sending a statement to code enforcement that... We want you to enforce the code for our benefit, not for your personal dictatorial rule. Now, I can guarantee you'll find people in the community think that, well, she should just put in lawn like the rest of us. Uh, but they'll say it almost like that. <laughs> because they're all a bunch of little dictators, too. <laughs> and that's one of the dangers of democracy is that... Uh, democracy usually ends up being full of a bunch of little dictators and Christians aren't any better uh, or people calling themselves Christians I should say because they're not really Christians because that's one thing that Christ was not he was not a dictator one of our examples of uh, pre-Christ was uh, Gideon who said I and my family will not rule over you well evidently the code enforcement and many of those people on the, uh, that block uh, they and their family will rule over her and they will force her and they like the idea that they have the power to force her to comply with what they think she ought to have in her front yard and uh, and you need to make a statement against that you can't just uh, be enraged in your house you need to get out and say this is not right this is wrong you need to have a hundred people go down there and say, "For you know, this is not right." My mom lived in a uh, before she passed away. She lived in a, a place down in California that was a, you know a gated community, and they had their little uh, board uh, that would say what you could have in your house, and you know as far as you know what kind of roof and and what kind of uh, colors you could actually put on your house and stuff. I mean, they weren't as bad as some, but they were pretty bad and regulating everybody. And there was always one guy that was the stickler for everybody following the rules, but he himself was not that good at following the rules. But everybody backed down to him, to him at the meetings because he was the most outspoken. This idea of backing down to keep the peace is a big mistake. We need to change our way of thinking when it comes to that. Uh, we need to stand up for righteousness. And even though it's absolutely legal 
for code enforcement to enforce the code. Of course, he, he may be misinterpreting it. But now you've just given the power to a judge, and she wants to give the power to a jury. Uh, and that may work, but uh, personally, to find 12 righteous men <laughs> to be on a jury might be a little hard these days because we've created a system where you don't need to be righteous and you can be very successful and have lots of kids. <laughs> In the old days, the way the government of God was uh, formulated, if you weren't righteous, nobody would support you. You would be stoned, not with rocks, but you would be cut off from the social welfare system of Israel. That's what it meant to be stoned because it was the stones of the altar that provided you with your needs. And if you weren't righteous and you weren't there for your neighbor when your neighbor needed help, nobody would be there for you. And that forced the society through the natural course of things to take a look at themselves, to take a look at their own uh, charity and, uh, and faithfulness and forgiveness, or their society would crumble apart. So it's not so bad being a co-host on this show, Scott, because as soon as you get me going, I'm off for another 20 minutes. <laughs> so. that's, yeah, I, I, I guess that is true. So I can just I can just spark something in you and then just mute my mic and, and you go right on and, and we're all happy. I, I just sent an email to Phyllis um, okay. in Pennsylvania because I saw that she popped up. She was the only one within the last 24 hours that sent me a request to be a contact in my Skype. And... Um, uh, I just sent her an email. I hope she maybe checks it now that she hears my voice. I'm asking her if she'd like to join us. <laughs> but I don't know if she has a microphone yet because uh, this morning's conversation with her, she may not have one. Um, but anyway, I thought, uh, going back to the comments, because uh, Mr. Robbins out in uh, Oregon, Idaho, um, in his original email said, uh, you know, make sure you read some of the comments. And, of course, most of the comments that I read through were all righteous indignation about the, the tyranny of the code enforcer. Uh, some were rather generous and some were just over the top. But there was one, I recall, I don't know how far into the comments that you had to read to get to it, but there was one that said exactly what you're saying. And I thought, wow, there's somebody that actually whether they know it or not, <laughs> understands how to deal with the, with the uh, Caesars of the world, and that is to uh, turn the mob in their favor instead of going to court. Uh, you know, just do what you're doing, what you said to do, and that's you know, petition your neighbors to to put in a garden out front. Yeah. And yeah, don't have to put it in as big a deal as she did, but just uh, put in one raised bed. And plant tomatoes or or whatever you want. You know, I'm not one to direct people as to what they have to plant. Uh, it should be a legal crop, but <laughs> we don't want to cause more problems. But uh, as that, that's another thing. There should be all crops should be legal, but uh, uh, it's just uh, the fact is is we've become uh, a nation of dictators, and we wonder why we have. Uh, a government that is so dictatorial. It's because we have not been tending to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Eventually, I want to uh, be able to go on a tour 
where I ask that question, what are the weightier matters? And then I point to the audience, and the whole audience simultaneously <laughs> say in accord, law, judgment, mercy, and faith. <laughs> Instead of after 30 states, finally in Minnesota, somebody could name them. <laughs> And I don't know if he hadn't read my book or something. I, I can't remember. <laughs> but it's in the Bible, and they don't know what the weightier matters are. They think the weightier matters are choir practice. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, we'll have to add to that list. Um, the weightier matters are a law and judgment and mercy and faith. I don't think it's merciful to put a woman in jail for 90 days because she wants to grow a tomato in her front yard. <laughs> that's That's insane. And someone else who evidently has been exonerated by a jury supposedly duct taped her daughter, chloroformed her, and killed her by that over-chloroforming her, and she gets off scot-free for time served. Uh, of course, she didn't get off scot-free, and I have no interest in law that's interested in judgment uh, for the purposes of vengeance. But... Um, uh, we have a very screwed up legal system because we are a very screwed up society. And again, the way you get a better society is you start attending to things of righteousness. I think uh, Phyllis in Pennsylvania has answered the uh, Skype call that I put out to her. Phyllis, are you there? I think so. How are you, Scott? I'm fine, and Gregory is with us. Can you hear Gregory as well? Um, actually, I'm getting Gregory. I can't hear him right now, but I certainly am hearing him on my computer. Okay, yeah, yeah. You may have to turn the volume down on your computer because I think that that's uh, uh, coming in as a little bit of a lag. Yeah, it. Uh, yeah, we're hearing your computer coming back over. The... Okay, let me put. Uh, let me put it on mute. Okay. Uh, Okay, I, I looked at the uh, chat room here, and it says uh, there's a clod. Uh, sound is coming through, but Gregory is a bit muffled. And again, that happens to be uh, uh, the system that we're on here, uh, because I don't have Skype. I'm out in the boonies. Uh, I don't know how to unmuffle this any better. Uh, and maybe with this instant uh, replay, we can actually take part of a program, and I'll I'll try different ways to go on the air. Actually, I could do that during the break. I, I may get another phone receiver and give that a shot to see if it's uh, the phone itself or just the fact that we are so far out uh, that we're not getting a good uh, signal. But anyway, what's happening in your neck of the woods, uh, Phyllis? Did we lose Phyllis? Or did she get entirely muted? No, she's trying to figure out what the heck she's doing here, and it's not working for her. <laughs> I don't hear That's that just... sound coming over the the feedback anymore. Okay, then that means that actually that I turned it down enough that actually I didn't do that. I tried muting it. I tried... Hello? Yeah, you're still here. Yeah, okay. uh, get, get it down as much as you can. I hear a little bit in the background, but... 
I tried muting it, but then when I did that, then it turned off every single one of the speakers. How's yeah, that? Get, get as far away from the speakers as you can. Okay, well, let me go into the other room. I'll go in the kitchen. Okay. <laughs> How's that? I haven't heard the dogs yet. <laughs> You're lucky. Don't worry. We're into chickens now. Trust me. We've had... Um, I've become the Pied Piper of chickens. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to do a radio show in your area. Maybe you can give the details on that to, uh, for the listeners. Oh, Sure. Um, as of this evening at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, you will be on libertytreeradio.4mg.com um, with the Three Stooges of the Apocalypse. Uh, I saw one of the Three Stooges last night. I didn't get to talk to him, but I saw him in passing. And I have not talked to them today, but this afternoon, hopefully, or before the broadcast, I'll try to get a hold of them. Um, there is a call-in number, but I'm not sure if they're going to be uh, taking any phone calls or not. So I'm not going to give that out right now. I did over the um, PCM and the uh, Pennsylvania Group Network. Right. So I put that and, out. And there. anybody who wants to find out more about that can always join the Living Network at org. Right. And there will be lots of people there that will give you the information firsthand. Um we hope to get on more and more radio stations and bring them back to Keys of the Kingdom so that they can, and bring them to uh, the Living Network so that they can learn all the things that all the other preachers were afraid to tell them while they were tickling their ears so that they could get their tithings. <laughs> so we're here to tell you the truth and the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Um, so anyway, um, did you have any other things that you wanted to add to this call? Sure. Um, I could tell you that we're going to have our first talk show on Tuesday evening, July the 12th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And hopefully we'll have some people joining us and we may be able to decide how we're going to utilize that time and then what they would like in the future. So... Um, and this is covering the area of Pennsylvania, uh, maybe even parts of Michigan. You're centered in, uh, where, tell us about exactly what part of America you're in. <laughs> you know, I'm in the corporate network. I'm in the northwest corner of Pennsylvania. Okay. And so, and we have some people from Virginia. We have some people from Ohio that have joined our group, some people from Mississippi that have joined our group. Um, we have people from um, West Virginia and Virginia. I think I might have mentioned Virginia already that have joined yeah. our group. So uh, it's a growing it's a growing number of people. I mean, in fact, we've had a couple people that actually have joined the group just fairly recently within the last month, and I have no idea where they are. One of them is in New York, is um, in Virginia, um, but I'm not sure where the rest of the where the other person is from. So. We have people joining our network um, quite readily, uh, but we just don't have a congregation of record yet, and I'm hoping we're, we're going in that direction. So um, that would be my hope and my prayer yeah. that somehow we could get into the direction of having something that was a lot more concrete than just a group of people on a social networking site because I believe this is more than just having um, social contact with other people. So I would hope that would happen. 
Yeah, I kind of related to uh, planting a garden when you first see those plants coming up in the garden. They look pretty spindly, tiny, and uh, doesn't doesn't give us much hope, uh, you know, come June. But uh, by August, uh, you can't hardly get through the potatoes, and uh, everything is uh, uh, starting to bear fruit. Uh, and that's often the way it is with the congregations and the network. We've got to start somewhere. And uh, so anyway, uh, hopefully we'll get more people from uh, the other contact ministers who can come on and tell us a little bit about their area, what they're doing, and uh, uh We'll see if we can't get uh, more and more interest building up on this. That'd be I'll have nice. To wait till the break to read the chat I see how distracting it is <laughs> to try to read the the chat. Uh, I think we got one minute to break, and uh, and then we'll see if we can't get one of the other contact ministers on. I guess uh, a lot of them haven't got. Greg, just so you know, I'm trying to monitor the chat room for you so that you don't have to uh, to do that. Yeah, I see, I see some of that going on there. Anyway, we're going to break. We'll be right back. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Let our motto be, Don't Tread on Me. LibertyRadioLive.com The Greatest Prophecy DVD from Cross the Border Productions. Embrace the little-known but greatest prophecy given by the Great High Priest. The pre-incarnate Messiah reveals God's once secret plan for mankind. Believe it. Behold, the end times in Daniel chapter 2, because the dream is certain and the interpretation thereof sure. It is the key to prophecy future. Comprehend the seven-year great tribulation deception. Be not deceived. Understand the great prophecy delusion because if it were possible they shall deceive the very elect be forewarned America in prophecy exposed for all to see the mark of the beast no it's not a biochip a much better and more secure technology is already here and you are already using it two copies one for you and one for you to give away when you send a support donation of $25 to First Amendment Radio. Use the chip-in event on our website or send $25 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, California, 93274. Make copies and give them away. Send $25 cash for two copies of The Greatest Prophecy DVD. That's First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. A wise man is forewarned and prepares for the time to come. 
The Greatest Prophecy DVD. Now listen to me. The Bible says, Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government Takeover of the Church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD, Government Takeover of the Church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. Well, I'm trying a different system. This is uh, uh, another way of talking on uh, Keys of the Kingdom. And if anybody uh, thinks this sounds better than the phone that I was using before, uh, let us know through the chat room. Uh, I take it that you're still there, Scott? I am. Yeah. Can you hear me now? I, I took myself yeah. off mute. I'm trying to uh, get Jeffrey down in North Carolina in the call. So. Oh, okay. Uh, do you notice any difference in the sound uh, than it was before the break? Unfortunately, from my end, you sound more muffled than before. Okay. Well, we'll try something else. I'll go back to the original phone, but I have another third option to try here in a minute. Okay, now we're back with the original phone. Is that sounding a little bit better? That's uh, better on my side. Okay. Here. okay. Well, so, you know, I don't you know, know about that one. Scott, but... I, I have one other option that we'll try in a little bit. But anyway, we were, uh, uh, before the break, we were introducing uh, Phyllis as one of the contact people in the Pennsylvania area. We need more contact people uh, in all these states. And uh, I also sent out a note just before blog talk that we had another fellow who joined in uh, Chile. Uh, uh, Jeffrey is actually even thinking about heading down to South America with some people that are in the Carolina area that also have property in South America. We've had other people come on in South America, but things are rather slow there because I think they're slow everywhere. Uh, we have uh, been having difficulty keeping good quality uh, uh, contact ministers in California. Uh, contact minister there is asking if she can step down. She still wants to be very much a part of his holy church, uh, but she doesn't know if she can handle the contact minister part. <laughs> uh, of course, I'm watching all the groups, but uh, we we really, for the number of people we have on the network, we should have uh, four, five, ten times as many contact ministers as we now have. And it would make the job much easier for contact ministers uh, because they would have this other moral support and uh, occasionally assistance from the other contact ministers. 
in case many people don't know what we're talking about here, the kingdom of God has always been a network. A network of people voluntarily coming together has been the predominant form of government in man's history. You wouldn't know that because most people went to public school. And public school is a product of centralized government. That's why they call it public school. <laughs> and uh, the central government forces everybody to contribute to its schools. And therefore, they are going to teach you how to be in a central government and a central authority. And, of course, when you do that, uh, women get sent to jail for 90 days for growing a tomato in their front yard instead of their backyard, <laughs> which was part of the discussion earlier. Uh, if you want to have a free society, it's going to cost you. You're going to have to volunteer time and start bringing people together. We're not interested in creating more religious denominations. We're interested in seeking the kingdom, which was a network of people who cared about each other as much as they cared about themselves. And it was a network of people who sought righteousness in everything. Not self-righteousness, not outrage, but just righteousness. So anyway... uh, I don't know if uh, Gregory knows. Yeah. Uh, Gregory, it's Phyllis. Um, I just have a question. I noticed in some of the writings that we, as you were talking, and I mean, I know there are some people out there that really may not believe in the message of Jesus Christ or, you know, God's kingdom necessarily, but they're good people. They're very good people. They may consider themselves agnostics. They may consider themselves atheists. They may not even consider themselves anything. But they're very good people. Um, and I noticed in some of the writings that you have, uh, that I've read, you do mention that even the pagans, even Jesus would accept some of the pagans into the kingdom simply because they were so helpful to the Christian people. Could you address that or talk about that a little bit more, please? Well, you know, terms like pagan, agnostic, atheist, uh, these are all labels that we put on things trying to describe or categorize uh, people. And the reality is, is most of that labeling, now we have to do some of it, but a lot of that labeling is just a part of that nature in us to be dictatorial. We want to label people, categorize people, uh, depart, uh, departmentalize people because we want to control things. And you guys are all out because you got this label. You guys are all in because I gave you this label. And the reality is it doesn't really work that way. Uh, a lot of people become agnostics or atheists even. I know people who became atheists because they found such hypocrisy in the church and they threw the baby out with the bathwater. They are now extremely devout and realize that well, it wasn't that I didn't believe in God. I just didn't believe in the religion that I saw operating in front of me. And so these are, you know, Buddhist, uh, Muslim, uh, Christian. These are all labels that we put on so that we will convince ourselves that we are a part of the right group (laughs) and because we're the right group we're righteous and of course that's exactly what the pharisees were doing you know we got moses we got abraham but they actually didn't have moses or abraham because moses and abraham were in agreement with god and were in agreement with christ but the pharisees were not in agreement with any of them but they had the good labels 
They had the whited sepulchers. The outside all looked good. And so it isn't that pagans will be accepted as Christ because that's the label pagan. And a lot of people are mislabeled. Uh, they're, they're pagan or they're Muslim or they're Buddhist because that's what they were raised in. That's what they were taught. That's what they saw some good men doing. And they said, I want some of that. And so they became a Buddhist or a Hindu or whatever. Uh, and they looked over at Christians and they saw priests sodomizing children and, and bishops, uh, uh, you know, uh, fornicating and, uh, and committing adultery and, uh, they said, I don't want to have anything to do with Christianity. And really what they, those people didn't have anything to do with Christianity either. <laughs> they just had the label. And so what Christ is trying to tell us by saying to these groups of men who say, look at all the wonderful things that we did in your name because we're Christians, uh, and he says, get ye from me, ye workers of iniquity. It isn't that they were Christians, it's that they were apostate Christians, false Christians, taking the name of the Lord in vain, which we talked about earlier. You have to follow Christ to be saved. But you don't have to have the label Christian. I know a lot of guys who won't even use the word Christian because... Uh, they they look at some entomology study of the word and they they say well I'm not a Christian but they still believe in Yeshua. Um, well I understand again it's this labeling thing. It's those who do the will of the Father. It's not those who get the right label, the right uh, outfit. Uh, I always remember I won't sing it. Uh, I'll spare everybody that. <laughs> Uh, Tom and Dick's mothers used to sing a song about uh, Laredo. If you walk out and, and, you know, I walked out in Laredo one day and I, I see by your outfit that you are a cowboy and then Dick sings that same line back to his brother and, and then they finally end the song with, if you get an outfit, you can be a cowboy too. Well, that's what we do is we, we say Christians look like this and so everybody kind of puts on that wardrobe. But the reality is, Christ said, Christians are doers of the word. Christ said, Christians are, you know, followers of me, keep the commandments, including thou shalt not covet. And so, what we have is a lot of people are mislabeled. So, yeah, people who are labeled pagans, or Buddhists, or, or, um, uh, Jews or Muslims may be deep down more Christian than the Pope uh, or or the Archbishop of Canterbury or or whoever uh, or Billy Graham <laughs> or whatever uh, because they really have the law of God written on their hearts and on their minds so it's we have to be very careful of labels. Uh, I had a Muslim call me up uh, the other day, and I said, join the network. And he says, well, you know, I'm a Muslim. And I says, well, that's fine. I don't care. That's, what, that's your label. That's what you say you are. He even admitted that most Muslims aren't following Muhammad. Now, I don't really know Muhammad 
I'm not following Muhammad. I'm seeking to do the will of the Father. And uh, if he's a Muhammad, uh, uh, Muslim, that's where he's coming from. I'm not interested in where a guy's coming from. I'm interested in where he's going to. Is he seeking the weightier matters? Law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Is he seeking to serve the Father by seeking righteousness in everything that he does? I believe that if we do that, we will conform to Christ. And we will find out that there are a lot of Muslims that are actually Christians, but been mislabeled by their own you know, life and where they came from. So I hope that kind of answers your question, as well as addresses a lot of things to other people. See the chat rooms jumping, but uh, Scott says he'll let us know. Well, we we have a, uh, a new caller, and uh, we have Jeffrey, the minister of record at his church at Fort Mill, uh, on the line with us now. Okay, there, Jeffrey. Yeah, how you guys doing? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Great, great. Well, yeah, that was a very very interesting uh, question, Phyllis. Am I uh, coming in loud and clear? You are loud and clear there, Mr. Hallelujah, brother. Awesome. Well, um, as you may know, Gregory, uh, I have a comment about that last uh, question. And, uh, yeah, it is very, very important because it all comes right back to one thing. It's relationship. And, uh, you know, the Messiah himself, Christ, says in John fourteen six. She said unto them, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So that's very, very important to take note of that. But it also says, you know, the Messiah also says that you know a tree by its fruit. You know, and you quoted the passage earlier um, from, you know, it's not those who, who said, hey, Lord, we not cast out devils in your name and prophesy in your name and do great works in your name. He says, depart of iniquity for I never knew you and that's the optimum word is new and we can't put on these cheap garments we call religion I don't care what the label is uh, the bottom line is when we know Christ there's going to be fruits um, and, and there's, there's a beautiful thing as well it's Absolutely. like we do have the kingdom working on the inside of us so I wanted to go ahead and make that comment so it's not about me trying to make it happen if you will yeah we're created to do he says we are his workmanship created for good works but the whole deal is um he is in the business of changing us from the inside out when all the religions of the world are kind of like putting a garment on or trying to curtail behavior like from the outside in and that's a huge fundamental difference and that's why i've chosen the messiah or rather he has chosen me back as a young man but I want to go ahead and make that comment because the word does say also I believe it's in Isaiah it says our righteousness is as filthy rags so we are so grateful that he has paid the great price for us at the cross and the shedding of his own blood that we might have life eternal but again we can't just be talking and we talk a lot about that Gregory you know can't right. be you know lips flipping in the breeze here it has to be you know our lifestyle lines up with the nature of the king so uh you know and again again you know it says what is done in secret shall be shouted from the rooftops you know um so the whole point is 
the truth will find us out. And I believe if we just sincerely seek Him, sincerely yield to His Spirit, it's all going to be, um, you know, it's going to be a beautiful thing. So I wanted to go ahead and make that comment because I'm definitely not into, you know, blurring lines or graying lines because He clearly says He's the way, the truth, and the life. So He is the access to eternity. He is the access to Father, not Muhammad, not Confucius, not Allah, um, or his prophet uh, Muhammad, or the 360-some-odd million gods in Hinduism, or the New Age. It is just the Messiah. But uh, the point is, the word says that he who hath the Son hath life, but he who hath not the Son hath not life. So I wanted to make that comment because I believe it's very, very important to bring that clarity. It's all about do we have life or we do not have life. And it's only found in him. But anyhow, uh, this is Jeff Perot. Bless you guys uh, over here in the Carolinas. And uh, Phyllis definitely uh, provoked my spirit. So I wanted to bring the word on the uh, subject matter, my, my, my gut on it. But it's good to be here with you guys today. Is everybody doing well? Yeah, I don't know. There's uh, <laughs> uh, as far as you four, I, I, I'm watching some of the stuff in the chat room. We got Dan Downing in the chat room losing audio, and I, I think he's getting audio, and uh, they're they're working on that. Uh, we'd love to get Dan Downing on the program too, but we'll just have to see if that that uh, ends up working out. Um, uh, I can see different people signing on in the, uh, you know, on the actual uh, LibertyLiveRadio.com uh, thing. So we're, we've got a few listeners out there. Fantastic. Uh, if they want to go to the chat room and put their comments in or ask questions, because we don't have call-in quite yet for everybody, that's... Uh, you go to http colon slash slash com slash farm slash chat slash and uh, basically you're going to uh, their chat room and you can ask a question and we'll try to address it I don't know if we'll answer it we'll address it <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just as we try, I tried to address uh, this uh, question of, uh, you know, how Christ accepts people who don't even know that they were Christians, but they were Christians. It's not that he's accepting all these other religions. He's just, there's a lot of people out there that have been mislabeled by society, even by themselves, because they didn't know any better. Ultimately, to have that relationship with Christ God writes his laws upon your hearts and upon your minds. Men make labels and put labels on you. So how do we know who is the real follower of Christ? Uh, who has a real relationship with Christ? Judge them by their fruits. What are they doing? What is the fruit of their life? And, and the fact is, is, even then you can be fooled, but God cannot be fooled. And so uh, we can fool ourselves, others can fool us, but God cannot be fooled. 
And so it's those who really accept who Christ is, not in their just their brains, but in their hearts and in their minds, and have that union and relationship with Christ. When you start doing that, you're not as interested in having your ears tickled as many pseudo-Christians are today. Uh, you're interested in knowing the truth and doing the will of the Father, and you'll actually find yourself doing the will of the Father, like that one individual that Scott uh, pointed out that was seeing a solution for this lady with her vegetable garden in her front yard, uh, the, the rebellious woman <laughs> who actually planted a tomato instead of a rose bush in her front yard, uh, uh, said that everybody should do this and, you know, give her some moral support. Uh, I think that's what I call kingdom tracks. Uh, people who homeschool, people who uh, take the time to take care of their neighborhood, join neighborhood watches, and try to help. It, it may not mean that they're saved, but it's kingdom tracks. It's showing the fruits of a society that cares about its neighbor as much as they care about themselves. It's showing the fruits of a society that actually isn't just outraged by injustice, but actually will do something about it. That's a kingdom track, because they are actually going to be doing what Jesus said, not even knowing that it was his instructions, that they are tending to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. We had a fellow who was being railroaded in court. He was a, a, a sort of a neighbor. He's 40 miles away. That's a neighbor out here. Um, and uh, they were just uh, the little dictators that worked down at the county were just eating him like a shark, uh, a wounded body in the water. And lots of the community would show up at his hearing. I mean, we'd have 20, 30 people show up. And then we'd all show up, some of them driving 100 miles to get there, uh, and they would cancel the hearing. And so then two, three weeks later, they'd schedule another one. And, you know, 30 people would show up, and they would cancel the hearing. Finally, they had the hearing, three people showed up. <laughs> And they sent the guy to jail. Never been tried. This guy's never been tried. Uh, and uh, they sent him to jail based on evidence that the judge admitted was never heard in court. <laughs> never presented to the, the man's attorney or even to the prosecuting attorney. Uh, admitted that he had never seen the evidence. And the judge, based on that evidence, sent him to jail. <laughs> And uh, just astounding injustices go on every day. Uh, uh, and nobody comes and tends to that. And Christ said to the Pharisees, Woe unto you, Pharisees, because they weren't tending to that. He's going to say the same thing to the pseudo-Christian, the ones who have the label but don't have the heart of Christ. And because uh, one when the blind man who had been healed by Christ was cast out of the temple and was no longer allowed to receive the social welfare of the temple, 
because he had accepted a belief in Christ, Christ went looking for him to find him and to say, come with us. Who here who thinks they are saved is not spending their time to go look for those that are cast out and cast down because they actually sought to do something that was righteous and good. Homeschoolers who are being persecuted. Uh, people who uh, want to try alternative medicines being persecuted. People who are looking to... Uh, milk producers in Minnesota. Whole milk producers, a uh, very clean environment, are treated like terrorists. Why is that? When, you know, the, all kinds of evidence is coming out that whole milk, right from the farm, is better for you than homogenized pasteurized milk. You know, most people don't realize that they, they talk about all these vaccines, people who want to reject the vaccine, that's mercury and other chemicals in it. They're harassed by the government because they don't want those vaccines. Louis Pasteur invented the first vaccine uh, for smallpox based on the idea that everybody who had a dairy cow and milked their dairy cow, the milkmaids of the world, did not get smallpox. Why? Because they got a natural immunity straight from the cow itself. So why aren't we getting uh, the message that, you know, we should all become milkmaids rather than inject vaccines into our... <laughs> so we'll return to Keys of the Kingdom, second half, right after these words from your local station. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. If you'd like to get a copy of this program, you may subscribe at libertyradiolive.com for only $45 a month and you'll receive an MP3 CD weekly of all the First Amendment Rights Media Group programs. As a bonus, we'll send you a password for our audio archives online. That's a $15 value. Or you can request any month of any program on one MP3 CD for a minimum donation of only $20. Or any single program on tape, MP3 CD, or CD for only $15. You can do all this online at LibertyRadioLive.com. Just follow the instructions to make a donation or subscribe. Don't do Internet? Then call 559-781-3773, 559-781-3773, and we'll be honored to help you. Thank you from all of us here at the First Amendment Rights Media Group.
I pledge allegiance to the King of Kings and to his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. One holy nation and our heavenly Father, grace, mercy, justice for all. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, I was expecting more commercial, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, uh, we're back online. I don't know if uh, our few callers are still in. Uh, uh, normally what we would have in the second hour is uh, talk show, and the uh, radio station here at uh, Liberty Live has uh, graciously offered us a second hour. Uh, we've done a little experimenting in the first hour with having call-ins from uh, Jeffrey in the Carolinas and from uh, Phyllis in Pennsylvania. And of course, we have Scott on in Iowa. Uh, I see Dan Downing is in the chat room. And I'll repeat for those of you who may be turning in now that if you go to http colon slash slash www far.com slash farm slash slash chat slash you'll be in the chat room and you can ask a question there and we'll try to answer it online. Uh, if you're asking me, I see uh, Scott has been trying and Dan as well have been trying to answer uh a few questions that have come in. I I can't follow all those questions because I cannot read and talk at the same time. So Scott will let us know. Uh, he's a co-host this week. If uh, we get any good questions coming in uh, earlier this morning, uh, about seven thirty, after I came in from the field uh, to do this radio show, uh, we uh, talked about the fact that this is the anniversary of Hadrian's. Uh, triumphal entry into Rome as the chief executive officer of Rome. Uh, he was also the commander-in-chief of the military, uh, which is why they called him emperor. That's really what emperor means. And the military was a multinational force that was going all around the world as kind of a police force to guarantee the Pax Romana peace. Uh, everywhere. It's kind of the old world, new world order of its time. Uh, it's the same. It, uh, Rome had morphed from a republic into a Babylonic imperial power, much like Nimrod, and was trying to guarantee peace everywhere with its military forces. Of course, this eventually bankrupt Rome, and along with its uh, welfare system, because it had uh, total social security, uh, it had a total system of uh, uh, health care, uh, sometimes universal health care under different emperors, and that and its military exploits eventually bankrupt the whole nation and centralized power more and more in the hands of the government until the society became so corrupt that it collapsed under this corruption. Oh, they tried a number of things like removing all the silver and gold from the coins and from the pockets of the people. 
that was a philosophy that it came out of uh, some of the Greek city-states where gold in the hands of the people was an enemy of this state, uh, which is a philosophy that we've heard in the last century, and uh, now it's already become manifest. Of course, as soon as they removed that silver from the hands of uh, the people and from the coin itself, turning the coin into a kind of an iron coin, uh, inflation began to creep up until a sack of wheat went from six denarii to 120,000 denarii. Uh, under Hadrian, it still hadn't got quite that high yet, but uh, actually, it probably hit that height at times uh, there, but. Uh, uh, or at least high enough so you couldn't afford it. And there was famine in much of the Roman Empire when these depressions or dearth took place because the money system was not just weights and measures as the Bible requires. Um, so uh, we uh, we see that uh, the same thing is going on in America today. It's already going on in nations like Israel and throughout Europe uh, that the <laughs> Excuse me. That they are uh, suffering under the delusion that uh, they're trying something new, and they're really it's the same old, same old, and it will lead to the collapse of this civilization. Certainly, the collapse of the economy. Uh, we already see a decay of moral integrity. Uh, the religions of the world are already leading the people astray and saying that it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods, it's okay to elect men like Saul, or even maybe worse, men like Rehoboam, uh, as long as you're socially uh, secure, that you're okay, it's okay to sit and eat with rulers, even though they serve you deceitful meats, even though through that covetousness you will be made merchandise. And those of you who are familiar with all the biblical quotes that we bring up all the time, that uh, some say have been sorely neglected uh, will recognize that what we're talking about is exactly what Peter, Paul, Jesus Christ prophesied has come not only to the world but to the Christian world because they have whored after other gods and gone back into the bondage of Egypt because they don't really know Christ because there are ministers that have crept in with damnable heresies saying this is Christ over here and it's actually not Christ at all. It's not Jesus. It's not Yeshua. It's it's a fiction of their own imaginations. And they have brought the people into believing in this false Christ rather than having the true relationship with Christ. We can't give you that relationship with Christ. I can't preach that into your ears. What I can do is point out that you're not following Christ. You're not going the way of Christ. And and that is why the world is in such a mess. If everybody claiming to be a Christian was really a Christian, even though we're in a minority amongst the religions of the world, if everybody claiming to be a Christian was actually doing what Christ said, the world would be a virtual paradise today. 
and we would all be free people. But they're not doing what Christ said. Hey, Gregory, can I chime yes. in for a second? Sure. This is Jeff from uh, the Carolinas again, but uh, it's interesting you bring that up because, you know, the Messiah himself talked about, you know, beware of false prophets, beware of, you know, false Christs, you know. Um, but it's interesting, when you're talking, what popped in my spirit immediately here is Second Corinthians 11, when it's uh, around verse 13, it says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. And it goes on in verse 15, Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed into ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their work. That's just kind of interesting. It kind of lines up with what you're talking about, and it goes right back to the uh, one of the uh, acid tests that Christ gave us was, um, you know, you know a tree by its fruit. So I just wanted to go ahead and, and interject that. Yeah, I actually read that quote in the last few minutes of the radio show with Randy Yarborough, uh, on America Free Radio this week. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I've, that's uh, very interesting, and that's what we were pointing out, how so many ministers are some, uh, are caught in horrible corruption. I mean, just blatant, out-and-out corruption these days. Not just Catholic priests sodomizing children, but bishops of Protestant churches. Uh, and they're caught in it, and people say, oh, well, we don't want to judge. And they're allowed to still be collecting these ridiculous salaries that they're collecting. Well, I think and, we need uh, the judge, Gregory. And what I mean is, oh, not, I like, agree. Being critical. I agree. It's not being, yeah. you know, that, that's what Christ is talking about. You know, judge not lest you be judged. He's talking about having a critical spirit. But we're called to have sound judgment, knowing what is right Absolutely. and what is wrong. Absolutely. And over there, even yeah. in Ezekiel 22, um, I believe, you know, the prophet, he was. Uh, the word of the Lord came to him um, of an indictment against the ministers. He says, because you make no differentiation between that which is holy and profane. We need to definitely have sound judgment, but not a critical spirit. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, the, the judgment uh, is, you know, basically what Scott was talking about uh, at the beginning of the show, is that, you know, that we need to... Uh, uh, we, we need to be these discerning individuals who see the truth and uh, about ourselves first, amen. Uh, rather than about others. That's true. Uh, and uh, something's going on. I'm getting all kinds of beeping. Here. <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> I can that. you guys still hear me? My sound clicked off here on the phone for a second. So I can hear you. Okay. Uh, so I guess we're still going out over there. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so anyway. Um, uh, okay, so... Um, and, yeah, that that quote was one that I, I, I specifically read in the last few minutes of the Randy Yarborough show because what's happened is that we've got a lot of ministers that have a... and churches that have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof, and that's why we don't really see 
the power of the early church. Uh, and we also, if you were really doing what Christ said, since the world is going the way of the Roman Empire, you would be persecuted today. And uh, in this in this nation, as a matter of fact, I could go into detail about that kind of persecution because you would be a light in a world that is in love with darkness and and we need to be in love with the light in love with the truth and we need to be if we start seeing the truth about ourselves we will start seeing the truth about these false ministers and I'm not saying every minister is a false minister some have simply been deceived as well and if they hear the truth uh, they will I finally found out what's doing all the beeping and I'm going to have to I think I muted it I hope I is <laughs> I don't know if that's coming out over the air but uh, anyway uh, uh, that is that is very important that we start uh, uh, looking at ourselves and correcting ourselves before we judge others but it doesn't mean that we allow uh, child molesters to be the bishop of our church, <laughs> uh, or a lot, Amen. a lot less heinous crimes that go on on a regular basis. It's very clear in the Gospels, in the New Testament, in the advice about your ministers and bishops that they need to be above reproach. And if you're not being a harsh enforcer of that wise counsel that we see in Titus and, and uh, Timothy uh, about ministers, uh, we're not tending to the weightier matters. Uh, we're not doing them any good either. It's, there's a lot of strain in being a minister of other people. Uh, you know, and, and that minister, it, it could put a lot of strain on his family, uh, and so he needs to have the time to make sure that his family's in order. He needs to have the support of his congregation so that he is not, because uh, he's taking on a lot of the responsibility and burden of maintaining a free society. Uh, that uh, is an extra, extra burden on him. And people should be helping him with that uh, process. Amen. Uh, I'd like some help there, Gregory. It'd be a beautiful day. I know you need help, Jeff. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of interesting, Gregory, when you talked about, you know, if we're really living after the Father's heart, that uh, typically would get a, you know, if we're not going with the flow or the business as usual, more more of against the grain, but Second Timothy 3 you know, um, 12 says, uh, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's a real blessing. That's a beautiful promise, isn't it? Yeah. So, usually what happens is when we really are trying to live this thing out, it's like the first chapter of John. You know, the Messiah himself said, Gregory, that, uh, you know, because they did not you know, want to come into the light, you know, he's the light, for fear that the deeds of darkness will be exposed, we're dealing with that all around us. 
And as we bear his nature and walk in his attributes, we're like light. And we're, um, you know, we come in humility, you know, we come in love and graciousness and service and help. But what happens when we're really trying to live a godly life, in other words, our walk matches our talk. It's probably a good way to break it down, a godly life. Our walk matches our talk. It exposes darkness all around us, and typically that provokes a little... um, a little uneasiness and people kind of act funny towards you. I, I've noticed that in my own life, and uh, you know that, that it doesn't, it shouldn't dissuade us from continuing to go forward. Yet uh, it should be a confirmation that we're on the right track, not necessarily because things are going on that we're, you know, we're missing it somehow. But again, we come back to discernment. Right, right. That's a you know it's an individual walk, but uh, in order to think kingdom, we have to think about walking that individual journey to build that relationship with Christ in relationship with others, which is one of the reasons why Christ's first uh, directive to his apostles, uh, almost first directive to his apostles, was. Uh, feed my sheep. I mean, uh, I suppose one of the first directives uh, at the appointing of the kingdom that we see in uh, Luke uh, was that we weren't to be like the, you know, rulers of the Gentiles who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. Well, the church should be the benefactor of the people, not the government because the government are the rulers who exercise authority one over the other, and the church is the rulers who don't exercise authority but operate according to the perfect law of liberty by faith, hope, and charity. They should be providing all the benefits that people are now obtaining from those uh, benefactors of the world, those uh, totalitarian rulers. Uh, That's a big job, and that big job should be attended to uh, through a network of people. It's the only way to do it. And so I agree. the ministry reaching out to get people to take that individual step towards the kingdom and righteousness of God also need to always keep in mind this idea of networking. Otherwise, it's not the kingdom of God, but the congregation of God or the individual of God. And even though salvation is an individual journey, that second directive of Christ was feed my sheep. And it's not just feed them words, but also food and nourishment. And because uh, Christ did the same. And so we should do the same. And we do that, and we can do that, only through the love that each of us have for one another. And that love must begin within local congregations. That's why I encourage everybody to go to hisholychurch.org, uh, go up to the top, find the little guy with the menu, uh, the net up there in the menu, click on him, find a local area group, join that group, start forming congregations of record, start making that commitment to care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself. You can't be free until you free your neighbor and you cannot free your neighbor from the benefactors who exercise authority until you become the benefactor who does not exercise authority the benefactor who tends to the weightier matters 
that who lives by faith, hope, and charity. So, and now, what does that look like for everybody? Uh, I just got glimpses of the conversation in the chat room, which is www.far.com slash farm slash chat, and uh, the, they were talking a little bit about whole milk and how that was so much more nutritious for you. I mean, they're not even getting into the depth of it. Uh, homegrown foods, uh, uh, essential oils, uh, alternative uh, medical solutions, uh, all these things can bring great blessings if we seek to uh, find out more about them for the purposes of helping others, not simply for helping ourselves, because it changes our whole way of thinking. It moves us closer to that, you know, cleaning out our house so that Christ can live in us. You know, Christ is giving us little hints all the time. The Holy Spirit is giving us little hints all the time. And we need to attend to those things that he reveals to us by action in order for him to go to the next step, which is to give us more. Uh, and there, we're dealing with an infinite kingdom, so there's no end to the gifts that he might give us if we act upon the gifts he is giving us now. And one of those gifts is that the kingdom of heaven is at hand within our reach if we will seek it and the righteousness of God. So anyway, uh, I don't see any more questions uh, coming from anybody in the network. <laughs> I don't know what topic we should take to. I guess uh, Scott Phyllis and, and uh, Jeffrey are still on the call. I got a question. Uh, sure. And uh, I'll do a comment and then have a question. I'm trying to flesh this out a little bit. Uh, remember how we talked the other day, Gregory, about, you know, what's the vision to get to the vision? And I think it might be something um, good to speak about here because it seems like, see, what we're talking about really as far as this whole kingdom dynamic and kingdom community and the network, it really requires a high level of maturity is what I'm seeing. In other words, people that are really willing to uh, walk in the humility that's needed, uh, willing to be selfless, uh, sacrificial. And here's the rude reality. A lot of people just aren't there. They are um, relatively selfish. I mean, all of us still are dealing with uh, some of those things. So what do we do practically to kind of get to the vision, which requires, I believe, maturity, and I know that when the bottom falls out, we're going to, you know, a lot of people will be on reactionary mode. And in my opinion, I believe it's going to be not necessarily too late, but it's going to be very, very difficult for people. And probably a lot of people will perish um, as far as trying to find the alternative, which we call the kingdom lifestyle um, based in really the headship of Messiah um, and living in faith, hope, and charity. But what would be what would be some practical things, Gregory? I mean, I'll preface it with this. What we're talking about, from what I understand here, it's really a marriage between the kingdom that is within. That's that personal relationship. It's walking in the spirit. It's that submission and surrender to him and, uh, and, and, and bearing the nature of, um, of that relationship, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, and having that married to the kingdom at hand, which is what you're talking about, these kingdom tracks. Uh, 
you know, like the homeschooling, the uh, organic gardening, the, uh, I believe, uh, herbology, uh, whole milk, all the different things we've been talking about. There, there's, there, there's a maturity that is needed for that marriage, if you will. But what do we do, um, I just want to put that out there as far as that, that balance, it's like instead of being a one-winged eagle, we emphasize all the natural things. Well, let's, let's eat whole, uh, whole food and, and drink good milk and, uh, you know, deal with all of the basic necessities of life and then forget about the spirit. Well, we're so into the spirit and we're floating three inches off the ground, we're levitating over here, but we're not caring about our neighbor. So that's what I'm talking about. You know, we want to be a two-winged eagle, so we're able to soar uh, in the Lord. But anyhow, what are what are some practical things that you know, Gregory, that we can do? Like you know, establishing congregations of record. How do you do these things? How do you start? Um, how do you get traction and momentum when there's a lot of immaturity around this? That's been um, even in my own heart. You know, we're working through things. I mean, I'm not here to point fingers, but just dealing with these things to try to get to the vision. How do we, uh, what are some practical first steps for people that are in the listening audience to just get some good momentum? Uh, you know, that's, that's going to vary a great deal by the nature of the congregation, who's in the congregation, what their particular needs are. But when you read the uh, minutes of uh, congregational meetings uh, in 150 A.D. Uh, they talk about they everybody said their prayers, and of course that's the way it's translated. But really, what it was was everybody talked about what their needs were. Uh, we often uh, have prayers in modern churches today where people pray to God for travel mercies on so and so and uh, pray for so-and-so who's sick in the hospital. And that's, that expression, that out loud expression, is very much a part of what we need to do, but it needs to go beyond that. We should be the answer to the prayers of our neighbors because, uh, you know, uh, we need to hand out that the bread of Christ, that flesh and blood of Christ, the Eucharist of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, which each of us should be making. And we need to be there for our neighbor. Now, what do they need? Every time you have a congregational meeting, people say, you know, what are you dealing with? What kind of? Maybe it's an emotional problem. Maybe it's a financial problem. Uh, maybe it's. Uh, a problem with your kids. Maybe it's a problem with your car. Uh, we actually had that, uh, I think it was in the uh, congregation at Lowe's Hill, is that somebody had car difficulty. Maybe it was in uh, Long's Peak. I can't remember now, but uh, I heard them telling a story where somebody had you know, car difficulties and, and others came to their aid. When they talk about travel mercies, the network uh, could come in very handy. We should be the AAA of true Christians, that when you're traveling about, we should be able to make a phone call and say, hey, I'm stuck here in Poughkeepsie, and who can help me? That's the way it was with the earliest scenes, is that if you had any problem in any town, you knock on the door of an Essene, and the door would be open. That was actually a motto amongst the Essenes. 
uh, knock and the door shall be open. It carried over to actually helping people that were traveling and, and needed uh, shelter or needed help, but it it was a precept, so therefore it carried over in everything else. If there was an emotional problem, a spiritual problem, uh, you know, marital problem, uh, family problem, health problem, we are there to answer. We've got some very talented people in the network already, and we don't realize that every time we bring another talented person to the network, we're all enriched by their presence because they can answer questions for somebody over here that helps him, and then that person may be able to answer other kinds of questions for somebody over here, and it's a living network of relationships, and those relationships, if they're based on Christ, will be based on service, because what did Christ come to do? He didn't come to rule over us. He didn't come to tell us whether we could grow tomatoes in our front yard or not. He came to serve us. And your public servants today in the world that we've created for ourselves are rulers because we want to rule over our neighbor. And we shouldn't, we should want to serve our neighbor, but serve him in righteousness so that we strengthen the poor. So there's a million different ways, and maybe we can talk more about that when we come back. I know we're going to another break. Um, and uh, I will try another phone when we come back from that break so everybody be ready on the chat room and where have you tell me that the new phone sounds any better than the old phone okay be right Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment Rights Media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network. There's a good reason for that. Corporate advertising dollars come with strings that limit program content. So without your help, these programs cannot continue on Internet or our several affiliates. If you benefit by the educational law programs, we ask you to give. If you are admonished or nurtured by the Bible and ministry programs, we ask you to give. If some voice a cause that you are passionate about, we ask you to give. If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our Listen and Schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host. Cause. 
and anywhere else the Spirit may lead you. Do all to the glory of our God and Creator, for His holy nation, the only kingdom that will last forever. Thank you for listening. If you read the history books, the most often asked question to Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South. Was it the Civil War or War of Federal Aggression? John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Past Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free? Or was it a war to enslave us all? Get this DVD and judge for yourself. War of Federal Aggression. The truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction. War of Federal Aggression. Get it today. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. 559-781-3773. Okay, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm on a different phone now. You can quickly tell me if this is any good or if I have to switch back to the original phone that uh, everybody says is a little muffled and some people have a hard time hearing. Um, Are you about the same? Sounds the same to you on the Skype, huh? Yeah, I heard you. I heard you fine on the other phone too. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, you you come through real clear, but I know we've had some trouble. Okay, Dan Downing says this phone's a little clearer to him, and I know he's had a little bit of trouble before. Well, uh, praise the, the Lord. Th- this phone is a battery phone, and I don't think it will go two hours. <laughs> so, uh, without a charge <laughs> but anyway we only have a half hour left so we'll stay with this phone if it's a little better than anybody else if they notice uh, an improvement let us know and and maybe we'll try to i have headsets but the headsets are terrible we're gonna we're gonna look for some other way we can get a little bit better quality ultimately what we need to do is uh get skype in here i can give out a call-in number that uh, evidently, you can actually call in and be on the radio. Uh, I'm, I'm still kind of hesitant. I got an answer back from the radio station that I could give out my regular call-in number, but I, I'm kind of nervous to do that. What I, I will do uh, for uh, the PCMs who don't have Skype, uh, I can give them that call-up number directly. Uh, if they want it, they can send me an email. I'll try to send them something back, and they can call in. Uh, but I don't think I want to give it out to the general public because it's normally the number I call in, and, and I don't think I have any way of hanging up on them if we want to shut them up, <laughs> if they use that number. Uh, so we won't give that out to the general public. Uh, but anyway, uh, so any of the contact ministers, if they want that number, they can uh, get a hold of us, and we'll we'll share that with them. Uh, anyway, uh, I guess we have a uh, half hour left, 
in the show, and we were talking about ways to uh, kind of game plan how congregations can start forming uh, stronger and stronger congregations. I did get a note from Dan Downing that I know at least uh, it was uh, two of the people that are in their congregation there in Colorado uh, went to help Steve out. Steve has been very helpful uh, and very generous uh, in, a, in the network. Uh, he's actually come all the way out here with Dan during the retreat, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Blue Mountain retreat in a minute. But uh, to finish this thought, uh, they had two mechanics, and they went and helped them out, uh, Steve out with his car when it broke down. I think there's similar stories in some of the other congregations. Uh, we, I know we've done that here with someone who, you know, they could probably get their car fixed, and uh, but they were really, his wife had, uh, had uh, uh, I can't remember, a blood clot, and a number of things that hit the family hard and they were kind of feeling down and, uh, but they weren't complaining but we knew that they were under a lot of pressure and we took up a local congregational collection and paid, I went down and paid their mechanic bill for them and I knew, I have told that story before but it really just to let them know that other people care so it can start with something that small but it can also go up into the fact that you can have credit unions, you can have uh, mutual assurance programs. Uh, you can, the more and more you look to your congregation for answers, and the more and more your congregation is willing to do the sacrifice, to give up a little bit to help others, the stronger, the stronger and stronger those relations go. But you know, to. Maybe head back. Somebody's got to stop that. <laughs> but you know, to um, to start with, though, you, you really can start individually. You don't really have to start as a congregation record. Um, you can just start doing things that we used to do. Like if right. somebody's down on the side of the road, you stop and help them. If somebody's confused and can't find their way, you do that. That's right. So the guy yeah, is Maryland policy. Uh, but I, I'm going to add to that also now. We've had a number of people trying to start a congregation in one state, and one of the ladies said, "Well, we already do this. Why do we need a congregation?" And then we explained, and then like 20 minutes later, or at least a couple of days later, uh, she says, "No, well, why do we need a congregation to do that? Because of the fact that it's not just about being a little bit of a nice guy." Uh, it's like, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, my daughter was at a local park w uh, with her kids and uh, visiting, I think, her sister or something uh, who met her there at the park. Uh, I say local, it's uh, 100, 120 miles away. But uh, there was a little kid there playing in the children's area, and she threw up. It was a little tiny girl, I don't know, three years old maybe, and she threw up, and she was crying because it was kind of a traumatic experience. And, and my daughter went over and said, "Can I help?" You know, and you know. And she looked around at different parents sitting around the outside of the playground and said, "Is this your kid? No. Is this your kid? No. Is this your kid? No." And finally, she looked over at a table that was a little far away, and there was a man over there talking to another man, and. She went over and says, is this your kid? Sure enough, it was. He wasn't paying attention. He wasn't watching his kid. 
Now, I'm not saying he's a bad father. Maybe he just slightly got distracted. Uh, but the reality is, is uh, if the king, if the congregations are the buddy system times ten, we need to form those congregations of record in order to make sure that we're uh, diligently being there for one another. Uh, it's not just about being a nice guy when you happen to stumble on somebody that's in a ditch. That's a, that's a given. Yes, we should be good Samaritans. But the kingdom of God is, uh, you know, one of the things uh, that impressed Adrian and Antonius Pius is that the union and discipline of the Christians to efficiently, completely, without fail, to come through for each other was because they were willing to form congregations and go on the record that they are congregations there seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The congregation is not corporate. Everybody remains with the free choice of whether they're going to help or not. But it, it has to be diligent in knowing who each other are, doing roll call, checking on, making sure everybody shows up. And they need to form those congregations of record. Now, what they do in that, there is no end to what you can do in that. Uh, the And there's no end to what you may have to do in those congregations of record in the future. We're not trying to get people to leave the Baptist Church or the Methodist Church or the Lutheran Church. We're trying to get people to conform to Christ. Start doing these things as little as they may be and take it bigger and bigger and bigger. Everything is established by two or more witnesses. And what is the witness we're giving? We're giving the witness that we care as much about our neighbor as we do ourselves. So therefore, we're going to keep track of our neighbor. We're going to check on him. Community watch, congregational watch. How are they doing? We And then we need to have the ministers of each of these congregations connected to another minister who checks on the people in Pennsylvania, the people in Carolinas, the people in Colorado, and know, yeah, Dan's okay, everybody there's, you know, report. And I don't need a report from 50 congregations. I need a report from one or two guys that everybody has been checked on. And that's why you have to have a congregation of record. You need to have... I remember seeing a father once who was taking his three kids on a train ride. And uh, the older ones he was keeping a pretty close eye on, but the little one, he had one of these little cables hooked to his belt that was retractable. <laughs> the kid could walk out to the end of the cable and then come back. So it's a little string to keep track of him. Well, we need those little cables of love going between each of us in a congregation and those congregations need to foster that cable of love going to the next congregation. This is the whole point of the feast. The feasts were a form of worshiping God by coming together and firming up those bonds of the kingdom. And so that brings me to the Blue Mountain Retreat, which begins, I just got an email, where Rick is headed out. Uh, Rick in Vale in Oregon, Northern Oregon, is headed out to the Blue Mountains uh, to have a retreat. A lot of the people weren't able to go. Uh, they're still going to have, I know Issa stopped here on her way there with her son, and uh, 
others are going. Hopefully, we're going to uh, be able to get somebody representing us here to go up there. We don't all have to go, but it's nice to get. See, that's the thing. If you have a congregation in your area, you, the whole congregation doesn't have to go to these retreats. But if you could send one representative, and then he goes and he, you know, talks and shares and meets, and then he comes back and say, yeah, I met this guy, I met this guy. He can take pictures and say, yeah, I met this guy. He's really big, he's really smart, he's really stupid, he's really hard worker, whatever it is. And you start introducing one another and creating those bonds one at a time. Uh, and then, you know, when we have congregations in, you know, in Texas, they, all the people in Texas, uh, haven't heard much from, um, East Texas where we stopped there in Big Sandy, but we should be, uh, calling those people and checking on them and seeing if they want to form a congregation of record and, uh, start connecting you know, East Texas with Central Texas, with South Texas, uh, with, uh, uh, Larry over there in, uh, West Texas, uh, and start forming, you know, where you don't necessarily have to go 10,000 miles. Uh, and then hopefully if we get on bigger and bigger radio, we will build this network. Uh, we do see people joining it. We also see people falling away, but it's growing. And, uh, hopefully, uh, we can, uh, get it to the point where it's going enough to help people in real ways. Uh, because those, uh, you know, when we saw the flooding in, uh, you know, uh, Nebraska and that area and the threat of the nuclear power plant could possibly be flooded and that's still a possibility. Um, the local people may have had to evacuate. Well, this is the question. Where are you going to go? Who are you going to call? We're going to get great opportunities for charity and sacrifice, but we need to build that infrastructure to do it. If you're going to run a marathon, you need to start practicing. You don't start out running 26 miles. You start out, you know, running a couple of miles or a mile, and you build up to it. And so... When you got this congregation, there are little things you could do to start moving you in a particular direction. And then as you become, there's a picture that shows up on our network up in the left-hand corner on our website. shows about five or six guys lifting a log to carry it over to another location. Most of those guys aren't around anymore. They're not lifting the log with us anymore. <laughs> I'm back to lifting logs all by myself. <laughs> Uh, I can help you lift some logs, brother. Yeah, yeah, we do have lots of help, and we do have people coming on. That's Jeff, and uh, of course Scott's helping us do this broadcast. Uh, Phyllis was on; she set up this radio call this afternoon. Uh, that's for uh, Western, uh, what is it, Pacific time? Uh, it's easier to do it. It's easier to do it Eastern Standard Time, and then everybody can go backwards. Yeah, well, you can do it. Uh, you can do it specific time, and everybody can go forward. <laughs> there you go. I just put when I send out the notices, I put all the times. <laughs> Nobody has to do the math. <laughs> got an echo going on. Yeah, I got a little echo coming in here. Uh, but anyway, yeah. That's, hey, Gregory, that's, if I can go ahead and go back to um, and address what Phyllis was talking about, I think she made a good point. 
Um, just kind of in, you know, kind of what's happening, you know, on the ground here in the Carolinas. You know, you and I have had, you know, in-depth conversations. Uh, you know, going back to the vision to accomplish the vision and the practical things, because it seems like, you know, it does require a people who are willing to exercise maturity. It's just there's just no way around that. And a lot of the, you know, the level that you communicate at, brother, is it's like, uh, and I know it's kind of maybe it's a faith projection or whatever, but the people are already there. But here's what's kind of going on in the realms of reality that I've been discovering. A lot of people just don't want to change. I think they're sincere people, they're beautiful people, but when it comes to people who've been so domesticated and institutionalized, you know, in kind of the church, the American churchianity today, helping them turn the corner is a little bit of a challenge for me. Um, I have been, you know, connecting here and there with people, but I like what Phyllis said in the sense of what are we doing individually? Because we can start there. So we have no control over anybody else. We do have control over our own soul. The word does talk about, you know, rule your own spirit. So we have, we, we can control that. that. That's an area that Father gives us permission to control is our own soul. But what I wanted to, to bring out there, you know, we have a congregation of record here in the Carolinas. And, uh, and people are at different levels of maturity, even who have signed, you know, for the congregation of record. But even at that point, there's still a level of disconnect, you know, as far, uh, as far as enthusiasm, as far as participation. And, um, for a number of months. And so what I've done, is I just simply said, here I am, Lord. Um, I will go ahead, and there's a couple of things as I was praying about this, and even weeping over these matters, because we desire, you know, all of us, I know your heart there, Gregory and, and, and Phyllis, we desire for everyone to come to life, you know, to come to Him. And But a lot of people are in different Amen. places in the journey. You know, but what, what, what came to me when I was just praying over this thing, because it's quite discouraging for for. A season there. And what I heard Holy Spirit say very, very clearly, He says, Love the one in front of you and do what is set before you. And that's what we can do practically. If we don't have a congregation of record and all we have is a desire to be with other people, but they're not quite there yet or they're different, they're different levels um, of participation. It does not bar us from rolling our sleeves up, number one, spiritually, you know, in our hearts towards Him and that transparency with Him. And number two, what are we doing for literally our neighbors? You know, what I'm doing right now is I have literal neighbors around me in this neighborhood and I have a little garden going on and I'm just trying to break the mile-wide barriers <laughs> around these 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 lives here, and is there any way through acts of kindness or you know, some sort of uh, you know um, just life to reach them? And so I'm using the garden situation to give some cucumbers or give them some eggs and just have a kind gesture, not preach to them. But what is before me? Who's before me that I can love? You know, as and, I, and and what I feel in my heart here to share with the, the listening audience and the ones that are online here is practically this is a faith walk. 
And the word says in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, which I encourage everyone to read that chapter. You can even read, uh, you know, 10, 11, and 12. It's a very, very rich, rich chapters there. But 11, it talks about it is impossible to please God, Elohim, without faith. And what does that mean? He really wants us to trust him. So, and I was reading the other day also about, he says, those things that you can see are temporal. But those things that are not seen are eternal. doesn't really matter what we see, you know, with our naked eye, but what do we see in the realms of faith? And to keep going forward to love that one in front of us, to do what is set before us as we are here walking out before a holy God. And I wanted to put that out there because that's the only thing, Gregory and Phyllis, I don't know if Scott's online here, um, but anyhow, that's what's keeping me sane to keep going forward. And I wanted to put that out there for other people who may be discouraged. They may be like, you know, I'm not really getting traction here. How do you do this? And there's something in the realm of faith that we're doing what we're doing individually. And hopefully there's two, three, you know, six, ten that will join us. But somebody needs to be a catalyst. Somebody needs to say, I'm going to go ahead and step out here and... Um, and be an example. And I believe in the realms of faith, it's going to pay dividends in the Spirit. And that's the only thing I believe um, we can do right now for those who are not congregations. Around, Amen. Or those who are maybe just starting. Or it's an idea. It does not bar us from going forward with uh, loving Him. Well, absolutely. Uh, does one that kind of make sense, I... folks? Yeah. It sure does, but I'd, I'd like to interject something along with that. Um, just understand one thing, and that's something that sometimes I lose sight of, is that it's not my job. All I have to do is follow the Spirit, but it's not my job to call Amen. people. It's, it's Absolutely. God's job to call them, and then we just have to be there and be ready to nurture that, like do the miracle grow thing, and then let things go from there. So I think that helps, too. That helps me a lot. That makes, that makes huge that, sense, uh, Phyllis, because what happens, and the Lord's been really helping me, because anybody who's a doer, it, it's a very personal thing to me. And I know a lot of people on this specific network, they're very, they're pretty, in general, they're pretty active people, or they want to be active, they're doing things, they're rolling their sleeves up. And when there's not the fruits attached to what we're doing, and, and it happens more than a week. It's a, it goes into a month. It goes into a year. It goes into a few years. It's like you know, it could be it could be challenging. And right. um, but what we're saying is, it's not our it, obligation, if you will, to twist arms and twist necks to make people do anything. Right. We're simply by the Spirit walking this thing out in faith and we're going to believe someone's going to catch the fire it's going to get on somebody it's what anointing means anointing means to smear it's like what we're walking and hopefully it'll get smeared on somebody else they'll see life and they'll want to walk in that as well yeah but the, the false obligations and the false responsibilities um, that is a real temptation I believe the real doers you know, we're out here, you know, doing what we can do. And I'm like, why aren't others getting on board? Because the vision that Gregory has, I believe, brilliantly by the Spirit, extracted from Scripture, history, and law, 
I mean, there's so much life in it. I'm like, I don't, um, it doesn't, doesn't compute. I don't understand why people don't get it. We need to even lay that down and say, Holy Spirit, direct my steps, help me to love the one in front of me and to do what is set before me. And the, you know, and, and to walk that example out, like it does say also in, I think it's, um, I think it's second, uh, no, I think it's first Peter five. It talks about how Peter, he talks about being an example to the flock of Christ. So, um, the flock of God. Anyhow, I wanted to just interject that because it's really on my heart. Um, that let's keep doing what is right before him and for him. Because the bottom line is this, as far as what um, Messiah talked about. All the law and the prophets hinge on this. To love the Lord our God, our, all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. We can go there, loving him and loving others, until we breathe our last breath. It doesn't matter if we get approval from anybody else. It's just what is right, and it's what he's all about. And if we set ourselves to that, as the word says, anyone who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. So I just encourage the listening audience and those online here, this is can you keep our hand to the plow, not look back on all the woulda, shoulda, couldas, keep our gaze and focus on him, the author and the finisher of our faith. And I tell you... It's a good life. Um, it may not be easy, but it's, it, it's a good life, and it's full of virtue. It's full of vitality. And that is my exhortation for all of us. Hallelujah. Amen. And then okay, you only got less than, less than a minute uh, to the end of the show. Uh, so I, I thought I'd just throw out a couple of real quick ideas is that, uh, you know, some of the guys are real skilled, some of you are really talented, and I guess I don't have a whole minute. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, we'll do this again next week, and we'll better at it by Till then, see if I you guys. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.